This episode of The Real Photo Show is sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club, a monthly subscription service for photo book enthusiasts. Working with the most respected names in contemporary photography, Charcoal selects and delivers essential photo books to a worldwide community of collectors. Each month, members receive a signed first edition monograph and an exclusive print to add to their collections. You can visit them and sign up at charcoalbookclub.com. Last month's selection was Jesse Lenz's The Locusts, and you can actually hear Jesse talk about that book in the previous episode of Real Photo Show. And this month's selection is Mark Steinmetz's South Central, which is a remastered edition of the long out-of-print book and long sought-after book. So I'll be doing a more detailed introduction to that book on the Real Photo Show YouTube channel and on Instagram TV at Real Photo Show. Welcome to a half-frame episode of The Real Photo Show and the last episode for our never-ending year, 2020. So my last guest of the year is Amani Willett, who was on way back in 2017, uh, back when we were recording face-to-face. Uh, and he was on to talk about his book, The Disappearance of Joseph Plummer, which did really well. Uh, I think it sold out twice in two different forms. And now he's on to talk about his latest book, A Parallel Road. So if you know the disappearance of Joseph Plummer, A Parallel Road has a a similar style in the way it's laid out, but it is not a book about fiction or fantasy. It's actually a book that deals with the collective trauma of Black Americans and their relationship to what we often think of as the American road trip. Let me read a little bit from the book description. For nearly a century, the American road trip has been closely associated with the American dream, The open road is where millions of Americans freely set out to explore the country's beauty, epic landscapes, and diversity of cultures. For a country that claims to be a free and democratic land without roadblocks, the road trip has been and continues to be a fraught endeavor for black people. With this project, Willett exposes the cracks of this ideal version of American society, pointing out that historically, the road represents a collective side of trauma for the black community. If you are familiar with The Green Book, there are many references to that in A Parallel Road. But there is also a much more personal element for Amani in this book, uh, as it was inspired by conversations with friends and relatives about their experiences on the road. And there are many photos from Amani's larger family album in the book as well. And we'll talk about that more in detail in this conversation. All right, so this episode is a bit shorter than usual because it is a half frame, a catch-up episode, and uh, I already pried deeply into Amani's life the first time he was on. Uh, But also, we had some technical difficulties because it's still freaking 2020 and it's not going away without a fight. So we lost some of the tail end of our conversation, which was about how Amani likes to show his work when not in book form and the experience of looking at his work in a gallery. But you know what? That just means Amani will have to come back for a third time. Maybe he'll be my first (laughs) three-peat. All right, everyone. Here's hoping that we all have a much more coherent 2021. And um, thank you all for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I do hope you get to ring in the new year in some celebratory but safe and healthy manner. Hi, Michael. It's... Good to see you again. I'm Amani Willett. Uh, it's been a number of years since we've seen each other face to face, this time in the virtual world. I am 
Yeah, sitting in my third floor attic space, which I can see you are doing as well on this Sunday afternoon. And yeah, I'm excited to to have a conversation with you today about uh, my new book, Parallel Road, and you know, just photography and and life in general. So um, yeah, it's great to see you again. <laughs> you too, Amani. Hi. talk about your new book parallel road which is pretty amazing i thought maybe um just before that just say you know how are you doing yeah. <laughs> what have you been doing I you know, know it's like this year is just such it's such a giant question right right i know it, it's we could have a whole series just on uh, this year essentially <laughs> um you know as, as I mentioned, when we just got on, I haven't seen you in a couple of years, but it feels like a, a decade because this year feels like an That's eternity. Right. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, I've been teaching and photographing and it's, so it's been a challenging year for sure, you know, just on so many levels with COVID and, you know, um, the country dealing with a, a lot of racial issues and, you know, family life yeah. and all that all mixed together. So uh, I, I can't. It. I can't say I'll be sad to see this year disappear. Um. <laughs> no, no. How have you been? How are you doing? How, how are you coping this year? You know, similar. Um, like you said, we're both on our third floors here, and we've both carved out spaces so we can teach right. and get work done. And you know, I'm recording the show like this now. You know, um, I think like everyone else, whenever anyone felt sick this year, you know, everybody's heart rate went up. Right. Definitely. And uh, parsing out who can come over when, how long should can the kids hang out together, and you know uh, how you know when it got cold, what do we do when they can't be in the backyard? And I, I'm sure you're going through all of that, right? All that, yeah. And it's yeah, it's almost like uh, we, you know, there's a no a new social rule book that we all don't have, <laughs> but we need, <laughs> right? You know, to, to figure out how to navigate this this uh, this year and. There's certainly a lot of questions that come up around, you know, ethical issues or just, you know, comfortability with different sorts of interactions with people. So, yeah, it's been a, a year of challenges in that way. And I have kids. Um, yeah, how old? I have a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just dealing with talking to them on, you know, in, in very different age-appropriate ways about what's going on this year. And so it's it's been an interesting year. And one that, you know, has been surprising um, and full of delight in some ways, you know, with the family time and then other times, you know, it's yeah. just a, a real slog and trying to figure out how to manage everyone's schedules. And so, yeah, a, a year of extremes for sure. That's exactly right. You know, um, my son is now 13 and and there's a definitely a part of me that when those years start rolling by, you think, uh, did I, you know, have I done enough? Have I spent enough time? Did I you know, we were going to do this. Did we ever do that? You start, that's when you start sort of rolling through the sort of the memory of were you, have you been present enough in your children's lives, right? Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly that, that sneaks up on you, right? I can't, I have a 10 year old, as I said, but uh, you know, 13. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I mean, you really start to question those things. You you really start to notice it when they want to just be out all day. (laughs) 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 It's like, are you coming home? I just want to check. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've always wondered, you know, have I done enough? And 
I guess a silver lining is I feel like there are a lot of teachable moments this year where, yeah. you know, leading by example, even, you know, having conversations, but also just, you know, wearing a mask, um, yeah. you know, going out to some of the Black Lives Matter protests, just doing those That's sorts right. of things. And, they, you know, they see that and that they internalize it. So, uh, yeah, you're right. We this could be uh, hours of conversation <laughs> with the the psychological and social impacts on everybody and our especially our children. Uh, my I know my daughter's been going through um, anxiety with school, mm-hmm. being on Zoom, um, you know, being late, getting you know, like this fear of being marked late. You know, that's really uh, interesting. My son too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's all about, but yeah, this real fear of being late. It's. I think it's something about not having that control that that you have when you're in the classroom. You show up, you get marked there. Right. But. You know, with every teacher kind of having their own thing, you have to type here, you have to raise your hand, you have to have your camera on, you have to, you know, I, I think that, it, you know, and, and God bless them, you know, I I do that too. You know, we've all figured out ways of now taking attendance, right? Right, on, exactly. On Zoom, yeah. you know, and, and so I, I don't blame the teachers, but but it is that extra layer of you you have to do something a little different, a little new, or figure something out. And it's not the same for every teacher. So, yeah. Definitely. You're That's right about part that. part of it. That's part of it. So, A Parallel Road. <laughs> Let's talk about your book, <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. I love the way it's bound. Let me start with that, physically. Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. It's um, It's got a nice stitching in the back, a very simple... Uh, they, there's a name for this kind of stitch, and you know, it's, it's part of the zine world, too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's sort of like a, sa- a simple saddle stitch in a way, just, you know, yeah. through the middle, a little bit crude. I mean... Part of a lot, you know, a lot of decisions we made about the book were modeled after the original Green Book, which, right, which the the book actually is, you know, that's sort of the anchor for for the story that unfolds, and so filled with references to the Green Book, right, right, and so the original Green Book was stitched in a very similar way, and Mm -hmm. so we wanted to have that same sort of stitching, but a lot of the decisions for the physical object were made to have something that felt a little bit DIY, a little bit crude in a sense. You know, we didn't want something that was polished, right? Because this is an issue that has a lot of ragged edges. It has a lot of raw emotion. And so, and it can be very personal. And so we wanted to have those things really kind of come to the front for the forefront as part of the experience. Even the way it it folds together, the the pages are then not cut to right. line up, exactly. right? It, it comes to a, a point, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So it, it, yeah. it is. It has a it has a, a very DIY, a very kind of, um, you might pick this up from someone at a gas station kind of, right? Exactly. Like, idea. Yeah, yeah, and sort of, the, you know, to, that also is the idea of the original guidebook where something, you know, it's utilitarian, right. you, you use it, um, you take it, and it's of use in some other way, you know, um, besides its objectness and... Yeah. So it's it's based on the Green Book and it's based on the idea of safe places that black Americans could travel, right? Yeah. Based on the a guidebook. Where could you go or not safe places, right? Places to avoid. Yeah, for sure. And I, I guess maybe I could back up and just sort of yeah. talk a little bit about how this project came into being and it's Yeah, it's, I wanted to know, you know, when you started it because this year, it, it couldn't be, I mean, it, it seems to go along with what we've been going through this year. For, for sure. And to be honest, it really started about a decade ago, you know, in, in mm. thinking about this project. And there were a couple of pivotal moments where um, I started really thinking about 
how to talk about these issues that are in the book more in a more serious way. And in 2010 and 11, I was actually photographing this project on the Underground Railroad. And I was really invested in that, doing a lot of research, traveling around the country, photographing sites that had figured significantly in the history of the Underground Railroad, and really searching for sites that had been ignored, not memorialized, or enshrined in any way. So looking at how, you know, over time, our experience of these sites has changed, or, you know, what, how as a society we've we decide what to memorialize and what we let go to other histories and other experiences. And so I was really interested in that idea, the passage of time and um, the erasure of history. And also, you know, you know, thinking about that project more clearly now, you know, from the beginning of our country's founding, there really has been an effort to limit the mobility for black Americans. And if you think about the Underground Railroad project, it's sort of very similar About in that mobility. sense. It was, right. you know, right. uh, slave catchers out trying to catch people who wanted freedom. And there was a system in place that really tried to deny the mobility of African-Americans. And so there's, you know, it has a parallel in, in, in that Absolutely. sense to, to this new project. Um, so it's all about mobility and there's been a, a real lack of mobility or a, a an effort to uh, control mobility for black Americans since the country's inception. And so when I was working on that project, I was talking to one of my cousins. Um, I have a big family. We all get together every year for this really big family reunion in Michigan. And I was, I was talking about the Underground Railroad project. And she told me really excitedly about this new, or not this new book, but this book that she had just learned about called The Green Book and thought I might be interested. And obviously I was really excited because it, it seemed to fit, you know, into what I was thinking about. And at the beginning I was, I had, I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll look at this book, this guidebook, and I'll look at these sites and again, go out and start photographing them in the same way that I had been photographing underground railroad sites. But, but as I started to do that, I found that I wasn't so much interested in photographing them in the same way. I was much more interested as I was driving, you know, thinking about the psychological experience of driving and what that means, or, you know, just the idea of mobility and what that means. So not the actual places, but thinking about the legacy and the history of uh, mobility for black Americans. And so that was one of the, that was one of the big drivers for, uh, you know, the conception of the project. The other was being in grad school and, you know, thinking about these ideas of what the road represented. And in classes, it was always, oh, the road represents uh, ultimate freedom, exuberance, the American dream. And, you know, based on my family's experience and thinking about the way African Amer African Americans have, or Black Americans have experienced the road, I just kept thinking, wait a minute, this is, this doesn't line up for me. You know, the road doesn't have that same symbolism and I felt that there was a real sort of gap in the history of photography. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about the history of photography. And Well, that, you know. that was one thing that we, you know, so one of the things when we were talking about setting up the show is I mentioned that I had just shown your book to my students. Mm -hmm. And of course, in a photography class, we've looked at some of the great travel, you know, photo books, you know, Robert Frank, the Americans, of course, of course. but, you know, Joel Sternfeld, American Prospects, you know, these are the those kinds of books where where there is this tradition in photography and those are you know very much more kind of 
portfolios of mm -hmm. work, right? Mm -hmm. Those that's work where the each photo is something that stands on its own. Um, and what you're doing is 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 it, it, you know is is uh, you reference that tradition in that this is a travel guide in a sense like this is about a book about traveling right but it's not it's not that portfolio work right it's not it's not about the 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 sort of grand imagery right exactly and you said it perfectly i mean there's a whole i mean you could, if you think about the history of photography the road trip is its own, its own genre, right? And you know, some of my favorite photographers, some of my favorite pictures, really come out of that experience. You know, so it's not to take away from that that legacy at all, but just to point out that, uh, that you know, that there's different ways people have been able to experience the road. And if you think about, you know, the history of photography as well, you know, and the male gaze and the white male gaze, white. American men definitely had the freedom and access to a country and, you know, would feel safe roaming the country in a way that I don't think was accessible to, you know, women or minorities, especially right. in the, you know, the Jim Crow era or even the, uh, into the 50s, 60s, 70s, 70s, and even through the present day, you know, to some extent. So, so yeah, so that was my, my, uh, the other impetus was really sort of thinking about well, how can I add something to this legacy of the American road trip and thinking about alternative ways that the road has been experienced or alternative metaphors or symbolism for what the road can represent? Because I've always thought of it as a, a place of political, uh, you know, if you think about the civil rights movement, you know, a place of, for, uh, you know, political change where people are marching. Or, you know, if you go back and look at, if you look at uh, lynching photos, right, there's almost early examples of an American roadside attraction in a way. You know, people oh, would, know. would go out in their people cars. People celebrating and, and I mean, yeah. it, it looks like some kind of weird tailgate party or something. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, those were the references I had in my head for the road. And so, you know, it was kind of jarring uh, uh, when I was in grad school to be thinking about, you know, how to to reconcile those those differences. And so those were the main two uh, places and experiences that really put this project into motion. And it was sort of a slow burn for a while. You know, there were other things I was working on. And I started, you know, really about five years ago talking to family and friends more seriously about it and thinking about, um, you know, different ways to conceptualize it in a more serious way. And in doing the research, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I became less interested in the actual sites that were listed in the in the green book. And and by the way, the green book is, you know, just was this this book that was started. It, it was put out in 1936 and uh, for a number of decades was in publication and was published by Victor Green. And he basically had a whole guidebook where where people who are uh, people of color could go out and, you know, uh, find restaurants, find hotels find uh, barber shops, you know, all these sorts of places that you would want to to go to if you, you know, either just wanted to go from point A to point B or if you actually wanted to go out and have a really good time, you know, and go out on the town and party and do, to be able to do all these things in a safe way. And this was the most famous of these books. And there were other guidebooks as well. Uh, but the, the Green Book is the most well-known. And, you know, it's really interesting because I, I mentioned that my about a decade ago, my cousin mentioned this project to me and what's 
you know, at that time, not many people were talking about the Green Book. And it mm. somehow it sort of come into our our cultural conversation into the zeitgeist. It somehow. has. And, and I, I think it's this year that, you know, HBO series Lovecraft Country yes. launched, yeah, right? Yep. Which is sort of a, a more um, surreal version of the Green Book, right? And it's a um, really interesting it is a flawed, it flawed is. but very interesting show. You know, very interesting. <laughs> I watched it very closely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, I think the other reason why, well, and this has been going on for for much longer than this year, obviously. But you know, when you think of Brianna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Tamir mm-hmm. Rice, Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, I mean. You know, in, in, in some of those instances, it really was somebody traveling, like somebody jogging, walking through a neighborhood. Right. And you can more immediately trace those injustices to where we are right now in this country. But of course, even before those names came into uh, most people's consciousness, there was also the issue of uh, racial profiling, mm-hmm. which was was maybe the the issue that that started that conversation for many white people. I would say, uh, even before we we knew those names, right? The idea of driving and being pulled over because you were in a different neighborhood, because you were driving a a, a certain kind of car, or, or you know, and you were profiled for maybe you don't belong. Yeah, and that, that that's exactly right. I mean, it, so this you know, my book, A Parallel Road, talks you know uses the road trip and this idea of, uh, you know, the road trip, but also just driving in general. But it's sort of a microcosm for, you know, just the reality of racial relations in the country, right? Because you just, as you just mentioned, you can extend it out to all these other tragedies that have happened on foot. And it just points to a lot of the systemic oppression and racial, you know, systemic racial oppression that exists currently and unfortunately still to this day. And, you know, when I was starting to do the research, one of the reasons I did switch from, you know, photographing uh, locations to thinking about more of the psychological impact in this history, you know, wanted to get into the, the idea that this is an enduring and lasting problem was that, you know, I, w- I found um, some apps that had been created, you know, that were driving while black or, you know, some of, of similar name, and mm. it was just really devastating um, to see that, you know, still 80 years since the introduction of the Green Book, there is still this need for this creativity in a sense of a way to f- be able to navigate the country and, or not even the country, just your city, you know, in a, right. in a safe way. A neighbor from neighborhood to neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that moment when I saw those apps really made me think, okay, well, I want to have a project that creates a conversation between um, current and past histories of this experience and put them in conversation with each other and to show that this is um, a lasting and enduring problem of that, that causes psychological trauma and physical harm against black people. And to show that, you know, Somehow, you know, in some ways, the form has changed, right? The form of the oppression can change over time, but the oppression itself, it remains constant. Yeah. And to talk a little bit more about then the structure of how you present that idea, mm-hmm. much like your, uh, your, other, your previous book, The Disappearance of Joseph Plummer, this is a, a kind of montage style, collage style collection of work. And there's archival 
uh, imagery and text uh, as well. And it's filled with maps. Uh, and, and then also, I believe what I believe to be some of your own work. Yes. Yeah. A lot of my own work in in, in there as well. And yeah, and that's, that's the case. I mean, really to create that dialogue and I feel like to have this sort of rich history, there needs to be a lot of archival imagery historical imagery um, that's in, then put in a dialogue with, with current images. And it's not, the book doesn't go chronologically per se. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it mixes current images with historical images, but the book does have sort of an overarching arc to it. And I would say that, you know, through speaking to family members and doing research, you know, in the, you know, when, when the interstates were, interstate highway system was developed and there was this real interest in getting the automobile, you know, going in America, there was lots of advertising. And I think everyone was really excited to participate in this new American experience, right? Of traveling the country by road. It just offered right. up tons of possibilities. The Eisenhower interstates, right? Yeah, exactly. Highways. And so yeah. whether you were black or white or whoever, I mean, everyone was just, you know, really wanted to participate in this experience. And so the book starts with images showing both black motorists and then advertising that was geared towards basically white Americans. I mean, there weren't any black people in the advertising, that's for sure. But, you know, these sort of almost like Rockwell-esque images of really happy families, you know, the road is amazing. You know, it's just very innocent and, and exciting. And uh, um, I will just say a, a, one thing of note that one one of the, the things in the book that's really important to me and I was really happy to be able to do is that all of the archival images of people, well, basically almost all of them, all the all the, like the, the vernacular images are of family members. So I. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I, I reached out to my very large extended family, asked them to send me any pictures they could find that had a car in it. That was just, you know, to keep it very broad. And uh-huh. then from there, I curated a collection of images that I wanted to to include in the project. And so the the project starts with these collages of black Americans really stand, standing by cars and actually really feel, feeling quite proud. You know, you can see that they're, you know, they're dressed well, they're, ha- they ha- they're standing by these cars and they're excited uh, to be getting in them and participating in this sort of American dream, right? And... And then from there, the book kind of takes an ominous tone. There's, you know, it starts with these right. collages and then they go off on the road. And the one image you see is this sort of this road at night, this sort of blue road at night and these taillights. And it's sort of an ominous image as, okay, well, uh, now we get into the reality of what that experience is going to be. And there's images then that follow of, you know, you see like skid marks on a road sort of signaling right. that there's some some accident or some violence that has occurred. There's a, a, a sign that says, you know, that talks about if you're black, don't be seen here at night. And this is in reference to sundown towns. I'm not sure if you know about these, but there are a, a system, well, not a system, but there were towns all across the country where black people were just forbidden to be after dark. And if you were seen after dark, you were subject to either intimidation, uh, violence, death, even so, right. yeah. So it, it's another part of our, an un, another unfortunate part of our, our history. Um, these sundown towns, and you know, it wasn't just a southern thing. These towns were all over the north as well. You know, even in Massachusetts here, 
where I live at the moment, there are countless towns within 20 minutes of where I live where mm -hmm. there were sundown towns. And in fact, one town in Groton nearby, it was only, I think, in the last year or two they were, where they officially took it off the, the ordinance off the books. So, wow. yeah, you know, it, it starts to show that there's this ominous side. And then as you get into the book, it becomes, I would say, more traumatic, more violent, you know, showing the Ku Klux Klan. And then also, you know, mixed in with that would be portraits of contemporary portraits of people. And I decided to make all the portraits of people that are contemporary are single portraits of people in their cars at night and engaging the camera directly for the most part. That's one way I wanted to connect, you know, the, the current experience to the the legacy mm -hmm. of of driving, and the people I included were mainly people who have had, you know, some sort of issue on 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 the roads, you know, you know, either it, be, be it profiling like you talked about, or even more severe harassment or right. uh, or violence against them. Oh yeah, there, there's some uh, horrific scenes of violence and and. And hints at violence, like you said, uh, uh, tire tracks, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but you also said there was a um, an order to it, not chronological. But um, I felt like when I was showing the work mm -hmm. that the the actual scenes of violence became much more apparent as you went through the book. Was that part of the order of the book, the sequencing of the book? Yeah, exactly. That that's sort of the was one of the, the, the one of the main arcs where. As I mentioned, yeah, you know, you know, there's this, I think, excitement, right, to, to participate in this American dream and everyone had it. And then the reality is that it, it got a lot messier than that. And there right. was a real uh, system in place to try to deny black Americans that experience. And I think, you know, that's also sort of a microcosm for what has happened over and over again in our in our right. in our society where black Americans have been denied the same privileges as white Americans. And this is just another example of of that um, phenomenon. And so as it goes on, it does get become more violent. And as you mentioned, there are lots of different kinds of images that are used. And, you know, that's also one of the interesting things because of this project almost sp spans a hundred years, you know, the nature of photography has just completely changed too, because it starts with, uh, you know, old family photos and some historical, some other historical imagery but you know, then it, it get mixed. It gets mixed with my contemporary imagery, and then also, as we get into the social media era, you know, screen grabs of things that have been posted to social media as well. Right. You mentioned that you asked your family to uh, submit their own work. Right. You asked <laughs> your family to provide you with photos of themselves with cars. You know, family album style photos. Right. Exactly. Yeah. While you were working on this book, did your family also? share relevant stories because the, the book is not um, intentionally or, or obviously personal, right? Right. It's not, right. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily my life story right. or anything, right? It's, right? it's not because it isn't about me. It's about this greater issue. Right. But were there personal elements that uh, you, you and your family shared while you were making this work? Oh, for sure. And, you know, so, you know, in, in addition to having them send me images, it was really the stories they shared and just listening to the various experiences of uh, harassment or traumas that have been experienced or people who haven't even had, uh, you know, violence inflicted on them in any way, but still, you know, carry that, that possibility of 
violence and trauma around with them on a daily basis mm -hmm. that really inspired a lot of what has happened and, and you know and and how I thought about creating the book and how I put it together so yeah I mean you know you know talking to family members and about you know the idea of even just getting in your car and driving right a lot of people just take for granted and for some people you know a lot of black Americans that can actually be a scary thing to think about well, I think that is all very evident in the book, and congratulations on the book. Uh, and that's a, a good place to end. So uh, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Yep, and we'll uh, we'll talk again, I'm sure. Okay, good luck with the end of the semester and end of the year. Oh, yeah, you too. Okay. Thanks. All right, bye. bye. Real Photo Show with Michael Chauvin Dalton is a production of Real Photo Show, which you can listen to on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>